ESPN Daily is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA 23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Kirk Goldsberry, I don't know if you believe in fate, but I believe I was meant to do this podcast today with you. (laughs) With things going really well in the 305 at the moment. As Miami routes the Celtics to take a 3-0 series lead. One win away for the Miami Heat from the NBA Finals. The Heat are coming off a 128-102 drubbing in Game 3 on Sunday night. And they're leading the Eastern Conference Finals three games to none. Game 4 is tonight. And so today, Kirk, we're going to be talking about Heat culture. Something I'm supposed to be very familiar with. But you're going to actually teach me more on that. You are an expert. I have done some research. I think together, Izzy, we can help the audience really have a great understanding of what heat culture actually is. Talk to me here. What's the secret sauce? How has Miami gone from the brink of playoff elimination after dropping the first play-in game against the Hawks to the cusp of making history? Let me give you two quick plays that I think epitomize this incredible heat run. In game four against New York, the Knicks were trying to stage a late game comeback down seven with just over three minutes left. Their all-star forward, Julius Randle, blew past Bam Adebayo and drove toward the rim. But instead of an open lane, Randle found Max Struess. Randle, the drive, bottom of the circle, runs into Struess. Offensive foul, and Julius Randle is done for the evening. It was the end of the night for Julius. And for all intents and purposes, it was the end of that series. It took the steam out of the Knicks that night. And then a similar situation in this series as he unfolded. Last Friday in Boston, this time Miami is holding a three-point lead with less than two minutes left. Jason Tatum is driving through the paint, but now it's Jimmy Butler who slides in, takes a massive charge, superstar versus superstar. Out of Tatum, right side. Splits the double, drives into the paint, contact, whistle, offensive foul on Tatum. Fourth foul on Tatum, the Celtics look out of sorts offensively. Who else but Jimmy Butler steps in on the... Butler made the biggest hustle play of the night, and again, the Heat staved off a late comeback in a huge game. These plays, these moments that traditionally don't appear on the stat sheet, these hustle plays, they make up the bedrock of a mythos known as heat culture. And for a long time, they were eye test only attributes, but now we can measure them and the numbers show us that heat culture is very real. Roll your eyes if you want anytime somebody mentions heat culture. I mean, it does sound more like the plot of a movie than the identity of an NBA franchise. But after watching the Heat boat race Boston in Game 3, it's undeniable that there really is something in the water. So today, ahead of Game 4, with Miami one win away from the NBA Finals, Kirk Goldsberry explains how we can now measure the intangibles that drive the Heat's success and prove that Heat culture exists once and for all. I'm Israel Gutierrez. It's Tuesday, May 23rd. This is ESPN Daily.
Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Kirk, in South Florida, you get some points for mentioning it, but everywhere else in the country, you get dinged a little bit because you hear it way too much. (laughs) And you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about heat culture. Uh, It's sort of this amorphous thing that's hard to define or quantify, but you've actually set out to do that. Before we get into those numbers, though, I was wondering if you could help me define heat culture as the broader NBA community kind of understands it. Well, for me as a non-Florida man, the heat culture is really about a few things. Tenacity. Butler following again. Missed that time. Bam got the rebound and the slam. It's about toughness and it's about competitiveness. It's about grit. Jimmy Butler goes up from six feet and makes the shot plus a foul that goes head to head with Williams. Grant Williams and Butler join. They were nose to nose. It's having the eye of the tiger in the face of pressure. Over the top to Butler. Over Jimmy Butler ties the game with a half second to go. Not every NBA player takes pride in the dirty work. They don't all love hustle plays, especially on defense. But these guys cherish it. They bask in those moments. Heat culture, for me, is dedication to winning the toughness game and dominating that dirty work. Yeah, Kirk, and the Heat will tell you that it starts at a different level. They'll tell you it starts by being direct and upfront. We heard this from Udonis Haslam, who's been with the team for 20 years. The thing we believe in is eye-to-eye communication. We don't believe in walking around, looking at the ground, mumbling. If you got something to say to somebody, say it. Tighten your ass up, say what you got to say, so we can get on to the next. But that hard edge, that directness, it really only matters in how it translates to performance on the court, right? So how does heat culture make a difference in the game? Oh, so many different ways, and we're seeing it in these games, especially late in these games in clutch time. And it's one of the reasons Miami Heat are so good in the clutch. Mm. But like analytically, that chaos you create, uh, it benefits you and your basketball team. You're creating more offensive possessions for yourself Mm. and limiting offensive possessions and chances to score for your opponents. When you're taking a charge, you're tacking on additional fouls on players on the other team, potentially reducing minutes of players like Julius Randle and and other top rotation players while increasing minutes against lower level rotation players. In addition, you're getting into the bonus and potentially increasing free throw attempts over the course of the game. Right. And here's the thing that I think people are picking up on that even I still can't measure is, you know, I want to get your input on this. Hmm. It feels like in some of these moments, they're taking the wind out of the sails of their opponents by being so tough. You are intimidating players, whether it's Grant Williams or whoever else, you're sort of taking away their spirit. And that's something we still can't measure. I saw it in the Milwaukee series. 
I saw it in the New York series and I'm seeing it here in this Boston series. Well, when it comes to these statistics, you're taking away their aggressiveness. You're forcing these players who want to respond the same way Jimmy Butler does, making them be cautious about where they're going. And they can't be as aggressive, whether it be Giannis, whether it be in the previous postseason, a Joel Embiid, or in this postseason, a Jason Tatum. They're always concerned, like you mentioned, whether there's going to be somebody there to take a charge, whether there's going to be somebody to deflect their pass. And so they're thinking way too much rather than just playing the game normally. And I think you see that more against Heat teams. And I think you hear coaches talk about that more often with Heat teams on how laser focused you have to be to play against them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. You're in their head. Every pass they make, every dribble drive they make, they're worried about defense in a way that they aren't against some of the other opponents they might see in this NBA, in this era of super teams. This is sort of a gritty team. Uh, and I think they are winning in a different way than a lot of these contemporary NBA players expect winning to look like. And I think that's really fascinating. I think it's fascinating. And, and I can tell you as a non-Florida man, as an observer <laughs> of pro basketball, I, for one, find this very endearing. Uh, I find it very fun to watch and very unique in the era of superstar free agents and, and super teams and constant player movement. The idea that this one franchise has this identity that is very sort of gritty. And it's an identity, especially for this team, that had to be elevated come the playoffs because... This is how an eight seed gets to where they're on the brink of the NBA finals by elevating what they do best. And for this Heat team, that includes a lot of those hustle plays, as you mentioned. And so the thing that makes me laugh about this is you would think anybody could do that, right? You would think any coach can say, hey, these are the hustle plays. You should do them harder. Therefore, we will win. But I do want to take you through the numbers here and talk to me about what they actually say about whether heat culture is a real thing. Yeah, so about 10 years ago, the NBA started tracking what they call hustle stats. Uh, these are things that until about 2014 or 2015 were not counted. Um, but when you look at them on the NBA's official website, Izzy, you'll see one thing repeatedly. <laughs> Miami owns a lot of these categories. Okay, Kirk, so take me through this then. We've got deflections and loose balls recovered. Who's really leading the way for Miami in those categories? Both of those start with Jimmy Butler. And, you know, he had six steals in game one of this Boston series. But the origin story for a lot of these steals is these deflected passes. Nobody's deflected more passes in these playoffs than Jimmy Butler. He's not alone on that. He, Gabe Vincent is right behind him. And both Bam Adebayo and Kyle Lowry are among the lead leaders in this category too. In other words, these passes that an opponent throws are getting deflected at very high rates against the Miami defense. It starts with Jimmy Butler, but almost everybody on that defense can deflect those passes. And then what happens? Now we have a loose ball. Hmm. And Spolstra had a great quote about balls in the air and balls on the ground in the New York series. You know, when it becomes those moments of truth, you have to make plays and the ball in the air, ball on the floor uh, plays that really ended up deciding the game. Well, guess who's the best at the NBA recovering these loose balls? Again, it's Jimmy Butler. Uh, he's not alone, but those loose ball recoveries translate to more possessions on offense and fewer defensive possessions for Miami. 
Yeah, and I remember, I guess you could call him the president of heat culture, Udonis Haslam. <laughs> when he was in his prime, one of his greatest qualities, I'll never forget this, is his ability to get to the floor faster than anybody else. It was almost as if his entire body just collapsed going after every loose ball. So they're probably following his lead there. <laughs> uh, charges drawn is another great stat for this Heat team. You've got players who maybe aren't considered elite defenders who find a way to have an impact. Give me some of the players on the Heat who have been making an impact with charges drawn. Well, Kevin Love has done this for years. And, you know, when the Heat got Kevin Love in the middle of the season, a lot of people didn't think twice about it. But he's turned out to be very important. And his signature thing, besides rebounding and those crazy outlet passes, is taking charges. I think the most influential play of this postseason run is he is when he took that charge against Giannis Antetokounmpo in game one of that Bucks series. It set the tone. It hurt Giannis. Uh, he wasn't able to play for two and a half games. Uh, and again, he's not alone. That Struess charge we mentioned against Julius Randle changed the dynamic of that game four. And then again, the one Jimmy took. All of these guys, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Kevin Love, are not afraid to take charges. It's why the team as a whole is far and away taking more of them in this postseason than any other postseason team. And I would say there's probably a couple 50-50 calls that probably should have also gone in Kevin Love's way, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Uh, screen assists. Um, this one's also fascinating to me because this Miami Heat team was the lowest scoring team in the league in the regular season, did not shoot the ball from three very well, but now all of a sudden their offense looks like it's humming at times when it's supposed to get more difficult. So explain how screen assists have helped this team. It's when a giant player like Bam Adebayo and Kevin Love set a perfect screen that allows a ball handler like Jimmy Butler to get going downhill, to get into a clean look from the mid-range or even a driving layup. And nobody's doing that better for the Heat than Adebayo, who is one of the best screen setters in the league. And the pairing with him and Jimmy Butler has become sort of this bread and butter combination. Hmm. And one more thing here, Tyler Hero and Victor Oladipo are not playing. Uh, but they would normally be coming off of these screens too. And I think it's a good time to bring up the rest of this heat culture thing has a lot to do with the next man up, the ability of these other role players to take on a larger role, is he? Yeah. And, and just dominate these big games and these big moments. And that's a huge part of this story, in my opinion. I don't think you saw a better example of that than on the road in a game two and you have Gabe Vincent not passing the ball to Jimmy Butler, but taking Jason Tatum off the dribble for a <laughs> dagger two-point jump shot and didn't look like he was nervous about that at all. Well, isn't a huge part of heat culture, is he? Isn't it also just the swagger? Why does Gabe Vincent have that swagger? He has no, he doesn't deserve to have that. Yeah. But that's part of this deal. And he does have that swagger and he hit one of the biggest shots of that game uh, against the superstar in a way that you don't see a role player generally step up in that moment. Um, but I do think that's part of this, that contagiousness of the swagger that starts maybe with Pat Riley, trickles down through Spolstra, and of course through Jimmy Butler, uh, infects this whole team and, and, and builds this whole roster into it. Just one of the most confident groups in this postseason. When you're talking about guys like Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin. 
guys that weren't lottery picks. Right. They've had to claw for everything they've gotten in this league. And that manifests on the court too when those loose balls are out there where it's time to take a charge or grab an important rebound. These guys want it as much as anybody else in the NBA. Up next, how the biggest star on Miami might be the best match for Heat culture. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Delicious meat nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Okay, Kirk, so now we have the tools to measure and prove that heat culture actually exists. But this kind of basketball, in Miami specifically, has been around way longer than hustle stats, right? So where do the roots of this tree actually start? Is it with Pat Riley? I think so. I mean, I want to hear what you have to say, but I think Pat Riley planted the seeds here when he came down from that really physical era of New York Knicks basketball in the 90s. I think Spolstra has found ways to embody it as a coach, as an apprentice of Pat Riley. And I think stars, you mentioned Udonis Haslam, who is the professor emeritus of heat culture. You have Dwayne Wade, who was a superstar who wasn't afraid to get on the floor for years in this organization. And I think currently Jimmy Butler sort of epitomizes this as a leader of this team. Hmm. Uh, and when I say on the floor, these guys, I mean it. They're not just playing basketball. They are diving on the floor. Uh, so I think it starts with Riley. Yeah, and I think it started with Riley bringing Alonzo Mourning into Miami. Great. The personality that he brought, the winning uh, hustle type of fight that he brought to the team, and the fact that, you know, they got to the brink and failed, got to the brink and failed. And then he fought through things that, you know, no NBA player really needs to fight through to try to get to the mountaintop. I read this book a while ago, and there's a quote in it from Frederick Douglass, you know, saying that the road to success has many, um, many obstacles. And you go through adversity, you know, and I've gone through my share of it throughout my life, you know. And, um, and you know what, the good thing about going through those things, it's, it's just made me stronger, man. Alonzo Morning had a serious kidney ailment, 
and came back and they won a championship together. And he is still a part of the organization and he still sits there next to Pat Riley, almost looming and making sure everybody is still playing with that type of mentality. The type of mentality you saw from Alonzo Mourning in game six of the 2006 finals against Dallas. Terry blocked by Mourning. Alonzo Mourning with his fourth rejection. They had an advantage on the break, but once again, Alonzo Mourning playing big. You sort of continue that tradition as they continue to be part of the organization and bring in other players that can match that level of intensity. And I don't think there's anybody in the league, Kirk, that has the level of intensity that Jimmy Butler has right now. Nobody looks cooler or tougher on TV as an executive than the, the pairing of Alonzo Mourning and Pat Riley. Uh, I think that's a great point. And I think Riley is an NBA legend in part because he has won in so many different ways. He coached those Showtime Lakers, then the 90s Knicks, who were the most physical team of their era. He won with D-Wade and Shaq. And of course, he helped build the Heatles, one of the great super teams. But again, this hustle era Heat squad is yet another sort of vibe altogether and, and another successful team. And I love that you brought Alonzo Mourning back in. Who can forget that iconic moment, maybe the birth of Heat culture, that, that legendary brouhaha <laughs> with Mourning and the Knicks. Hey, look at this. Alonzo trying to connect to about a dozen punches, could not connect with Larry Johnson. Other players on the court would get involved. It is so bizarre when the Heat and the Knicks get together. And there's Jeff Van Gundy grabbing the leg of Alonzo Mourning. Like a dog in heat. <laughs> and again, I think that's sort of the kind of energy we're talking about here 20 some years later. So explain to me then, because Jimmy Butler's game offensively is hard to describe how it improves from the regular season to the postseason. But talk to me about his defensive game. Talk to me about some of the things that he does on the floor that shows, hey, I'm with the program. Well, he leads by example. And and one of the things that's it's interesting in the Celtics series, everybody's like, what's happened to Jason Tatum in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Where is Jason Tatum? Why isn't he shooting? I'll tell you what's happened is he, Jimmy Butler's happened. Yeah. He's not only one of the leading scorers in this postseason, he's one of the most tenacious on-ball defenders who's not afraid of anybody or any moment. And if you look at the nerdiest stats we have, the player tracking stuff, Jason Tatum, isn't shooting a lot when Jimmy Butler's his defender. And the bad news for the Celtics is Jimmy Butler is his primary defender. Uh, so not only taking charges like he did against Tatum in game two, but he's deflecting passes and he is just shutting down the other team's best player in a way that a lot of superstars in this era of NBA basketball don't do. We don't have this conversation about James Harden or Luka Doncic. Hmm. But here we are talking about the leading scorer left in these playoffs also being arguably one of the best shutdown defenders in the same playoffs. It's Jordan stuff. Hmm. That's the last guy I can really think of who was just dominating in clutch moments on offense, but also dominating in clutch moments on defense. Hang on a second. I'm fanning myself aggressively. This is too much. You said (laughs) Michael Jordan in the same sentence. Is this actually who playoff Jimmy is then? Does he do more of this in the postseason? 
Of course he does. I had somebody, I think Max Kellerman asked me, you know, is, is Jimmy Butler a top 10 player? I'm like, well, not in the regular season. <laughs> uh, and that's not a slight against him. But I do think one of the biggest mysteries after watching this for over a month now is he is like, why weren't the Heat better than this in the regular season? Yeah. They, again, they don't have Tyler Hero or Victor Oladipo, and they have one of the best records in this tournament so far. But yes, playoff Jimmy is a combination of a bucket on one end and the king of hustle and the king of on-ball defense on the other end. His swagger is off the charts because he blends elite scoring with elite defense and his knack for clutch play. And very few playoff performers this year or in any other recent year can say that. Um, but playoff Jimmy isn't just a top 10 player. He's a top two or three player in this entire playoff bracket. And we're talking about Nikola Jokic, hmm. Jason Tatum, LeBron James, and man, this dude looks like the best of all of them at times. He does, and he very much plays into the us-against-the-world mentality. It very much works well with the Heat, even when they were on top of the world with LeBron James. That unit had an us-against-the-world mentality because the entire country was throwing darts at them the entire time. The difference between, let's say, those big three Heat teams and the Jimmy Butler Heat teams is this team has not been able to get over the hump and actually win a championship that 2020 year. Heat culture could only take them so far. Anthony Davis and LeBron James took it from there. What do you think makes this Heat team different? What can get this Heat team over the hump? Jimmy Butler. As good as he was in 2020, he's playing even better in 2023. And in the last month, like every other person who watched this team lose to Atlanta in that first playing game, I had strong doubts about their future. Hand up, I picked the Bucks to beat them, like every other person Me too. in the media. Then they beat Milwaukee, then they beat New York. Now they have a lead in the conference finals over Boston. It does not look like a fluke. It looks like they are the most ferocious team in this tournament. They still have work to do, but if we've learned anything in this last month or so, Izzy, it's that work is the Miami Heat's love language. As scary as Nikola Jokic looks on the other coast, Miami has done enough to make me believe that if they end up facing the Nuggets, they can even beat that team, which is a crazy thought given the type of regular season they had. It would be one of the most remarkable stories of the NBA in the 21st century if this team wins the championship. And it would be a story about tenacity and toughness and grit. And of course, most of all, it'd be a story about Jimmy Buckets. Kirk Goldsberry, thank you for a career highlight of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I'm Israel Gutierrez. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.